This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. I'm Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast about Christmas music. Tis the season, and today we're going to hear two conversations. In 2007, alternative rock band The Smithereens released Christmas with The Smithereens. This holiday season, that album was reissued on vinyl, and that gave me an occasion to talk to drummer Dennis Dyken about The Smithereens and their Christmas music. I'm also talking today with Jim Goodwin, who posts indie Christmas music on his Christmas Underground blog. During the heyday of the MP3 blog, there were a number of good blogs whose creators digitized and posted songs from old vinyl records. But the threat of legal action for unauthorized use shut a lot of them down or forced them to change their plan. Jim's part of the next wave of Christmas music bloggers, and he scours Bandcamp for cool new Christmas music instead of old stuff. Since one of my interests is how musical traditions find contemporary expressions, I'm really interested to find new Christmas music too. We'll get to Dennis and Jim in a few minutes, but first, my 2022 Christmas music mix is still available for download. Email me at alex at myspiltmilk.com and I'll send it over. If you'd rather simply stream your Christmas music, I now have a four-hour mix up on both Spotify and Apple Music. Look for 12 Songs of Christmas Christmas 2022 to find them. And I'll put links to both of them in the show notes. I don't think there's any overlap between the download mix, which also includes some tracks that aren't on streaming services, and the Spotify Apple mix. So if you like Christmas music, I have you very, very covered. If you missed the episode with Derek Bang on the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack and Vince Guaraldi, I hope you'll go back and check that out. It shines some light on Guaraldi and on the super deluxe reissue that contains everything available from the recording sessions for the album. There are a few tracks I still can't find the sessions for, but it's interesting to hear some of the songs find their final form and to hear Guaraldi work at passages that would sound effortless by the time he completed them. Let's hear a track from that. Then we'll be back on the other side with Dennis Dyken of the Smithereens. your experience with Christmas music growing up? Um, I guess my experience with Christmas music as a kid was not dissimilar to, to anybody else of my generation. I think our first exposure to a lot of culture was that was achieved through watching TV, you know? Um, so be it the Lawrence Welk show that my parents watched or, uh, cartoons that were aired during the holiday season, <clears throat> the radio. I mean, that's, that was my exposure to uh, a, a lot of music and, and, uh, and like I say, culture in America. So um, I would say that 
And I had some kiddie records too when I was very young. I'm talking age two, three. I was already raising my antenna to what was out there in the music world. And just to add to this, I think that my my entree to rock and roll was probably from watching American Bandstand at that age, you know, and it just drew me in. But Christmas music, um, I I certainly remember all the, and again, they were probably kiddie records, but all the the standards, I guess you would say, you know, the Jingle Bells and uh, one that I always loved was Oh Holy Night, you know, whatever rendition, I don't know what I heard when I was a kid, but I got to say, one of my most indelible Christmas music memories and experiences was um, came from my parents who were not very musical people. They liked music, but they didn't play instruments. They didn't sing very well. Uh, and they didn't really buy records. My parents, I, they didn't, it, it, it sounds funny because I'm the complete opposite. I have thousands and thousands of LPs and CDs and 45s. They had maybe one or two. Wow. <laughs> but when I was really young, my mom did have this 10-inch LP. Uh, and our both my parents, uh, their uh, ancestry comes from the Carpathian Mountains, the uh, um, Slovakia in particular. So um, they had a, this 10-inch LP of, it was called Carpathian Rusin, uh, Christmas carols, and uh, it was an acapella choir. Side one um, were the, I think it was six tunes, sung in old, with the language that's called Old Slavonic. And uh, the same six songs were on side two, sung in English. Oh, wow. And And this choir, it was a church choir from Clifton, New Jersey, and they were, they sounded like a professional choir. They had top flight singers in this group. And this stuff was really, oh man, it, it was like of the earth. It just sounded like, you know, like you, like it was recorded in the old country. And it was, it was soul stirring music. I still listen to it every season. So that was a very different uh, exposure to music than I would have gotten from just pop radio or TV. So that, uh, and, and we, the church that my parents attended, that, that was the kind of music we would hear uh, sung by the choir there too. Not quite as, a, as, as um, expertly rendered by this, this uh, other choir on this record. But anyway, that was very much a big part of my musical grounding at a very young age. I, I gather you have, You've found that record since then? Or do you still have still that have version? I still have that copy. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it might be on Spotify. I think I found it on Spotify. I think I did. I was poking around, and I think it turned up. Um, Carpatho Rusin Christmas Carols. It's worth checking out. It's it's wonderful music. So, yeah. Yep. Was there a point when your relationship to Christmas music changed, like when you were a teenager? I always liked it, you know, and I uh, I cite Christmas music. Well, to answer your question, I no, I don't think it did change. Okay. I think I I all I all 
always maintained a certain respect for Christmas music and, and co- even compartmentalized it in a way that allowed me to enjoy musical forms that otherwise I would deem square. <laughs> you know? uh, I think it, it uh, as a as a kid when I was g- getting into rock and roll, and I would still hear um, Perry Como or uh, I'm trying to think of some other examples, but any of the uh, the standard Christmas fare you would hear that were orchestra that was orchestrated or quote unquote more adult music, right? Than I was gonna go out and spend my allowance money on. Uh, because it was Christmas music, I gave it a pass and I embraced it. And um, even though a part of me was thinking, is it okay for me to like this? <laughs> right. But but I think because I remained open to it, um, I learned from it, you know, I without realizing it at the time, it was, uh, it uh, gave me, it, it, I was, it gave me understanding uh, as a layman, layman, not as a studied musician, but it opened my ears to orchestration and different kind of rhythms and musical forms. Because Christmas music, if you listen to a lot of it, came from all over the world. You're going to hear all kinds of uh, musical idioms, you know, when you listen to if you're open to, to Christmas music. So um, I really, I'm grateful to my, to my parents for turning me on to what they did. And, and I'm glad that I, I maintain an open mind uh, because I really did learn a lot from listening to Christmas music, you know, that I might not have otherwise done. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. Cause no matter how far away you roam When you pine for the sunshine of a friendly gaze For the holidays you can't beat home, sweet home I met a man who lives in Tennessee. Now, flash forward to Smithereens time. Your first Christmas record was a version of Rudolph for 1992. Is that right? 1992. Yes. Yes. Um, That's correct. Yeah, we did. uh, We recorded that when we were on Capitol. Uh, At the time, it was a promotional only release. And... uh, yeah, we cut that in Chicago on a break from touring produced by, it was produced by Butch Vig. Um, yeah, and, and we, we were channeling the Cadillacs version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We did our own, put our own spin on it, but yeah, that's, that's, that's right. Forgot about that. <laughs> was, was that a way that when you approach Christmas music, you tended to work to kind of find a find a version that was sort of in the ballpark of what you wanted, and then figure out how to rechant, how to retune that to make it to make it yours? You mean in terms of us recording? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I would say that. Um, 
I have the album in front of me. Uh, yeah, we we definitely. Uh, for example, we on our Smithereens Christmas album, we took uh, Christmas with the Smithereens, as it's called. Um, I remember uh, I actually did most of the A and R work on that album. I, I, being that I was the guy who had the biggest collection of Christmas records, uh, I, I whittled down a selection of tunes for us to consider. And one of them was Santa Bring My Baby Back to Me, which was uh, an Elvis Presley tune. And at first we went in and we tried to go with the groove that was on his record. And it just wasn't coming off. It, it was okay, but you know, when you cover a song, I think it's always best to uh, make it your own. and what's the, what's the point of covering something that's already magnificent and just recreate it you know you have to, you have to it's already great so do something different with it you know uh so that's what we did with that one but we were we'd sw we were trying that groove because we thought it was wow such a cool snappy groove swinging but uh wasn't working so we we just turned it around and um so that's one example and i think there's a few others on that album where yeah, we we went to the, the record and kind of you know sat on it for a bit and uh, decided where we where we would where we were going to go with it. Yeah. come back to the album in a minute but since you actually had a decent you, you have sort of a you know a, a, some christmas music before that it was worth sort of wanting to go through in 94 you also did blue christmas and waking up on christmas day for an rca christmas uh, promo is that That's right? correct yeah yeah um again they weren't commercial releases but um right we, when we had completed recording a date with the Smithereens with Don Dixon at the Magic Shop in New York City in late 93. And once that album was wrapped up, the label asked us if we can go back into the studio and cut uh, some B-sides, some bonus tracks for whatever purposes. Back then, I guess, there might have still been singles, right. cassette singles. <laughs> and uh, there's a... a an archaic term because yeah. singles yeah one that and, never and, caught uh, beg pardon one that never caught on yeah not i guess they didn't really and then there was a uh, cd singles that would have bonus tracks on them anyway so the label asked us to go in and cut some uh bonus tracks so to speak to have in the can and i think they requested christmas songs too or we might have taken it upon ourselves to uh to do these christmas songs at that time that was early 94 yeah and i guess blue christmas that is pretty much in, in the same uh domain as elvis is we kind of copped his yeah, his version but again it's decidedly smithereen sounding you know sure. we didn't 
although we played the same type of groove, it came out the way we would play that groove, not uh, DJ Fontana and Bill Black. Right, right, yeah. So, and, and Pat did a great job singing it, too. And Waking Up on Christmas Morning was a song that Jimmy wrote, and uh, we we recorded that for our album. But yeah, it's a wonderful song. And so yeah, you tend to forget those because they were promo sure. pieces and... Uh, yeah, I just I'm glad you brought those up. Yeah. Would you have done those records, those Christmas songs at that point, ninety two and ninety four? Would you have done those if you weren't asked by the label? Well, we might not well <clears throat> I for one, and I'm I'm sure the other guys would agree, always wanted to do a Christmas record, you know, because growing up there were plenty plenty of rock and roll Christmas uh recordings that were uh, seeping into Americana. Of course, the Beach Boys and Phil Spector and and uh, so many others, actually. But uh, being a, a fan of Christmas music and, um, and and feeling that we could do a good treatment uh, on a whole album's worth of stuff, I, I think it occurred to me that it would be a fun thing to do. We just never got around to it. But, yeah, I think... Um, you know, sometimes when you're doing an album and you, you, you finish all the basic tracks and you still want to blow off some steam, at that point you record B-sides or Christmas songs. So it's, it's conceivable conceivable that we could have uh, 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 took some of that time to, to do it. But uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the thing I think about, the reason I ask is, you know, much the same way that we both had a period where we both had to compartmentalize our interest in Christmas music. And I would imagine, and part of me wonders, like if the point when, when you were hitting, when you were in the process of, of establishing your reputation, would that have been a time when you thought now's when I break out my Christmas song or would that have felt at the moment, if someone hadn't have asked you, you would have thought, nah, that's something we'll do later. There's, there's time to do that again. It's time that this is the moment when we establish the who we are most fully in, you know, focusing on our music. I'm not sure I understand. You mean what, uh, earlier on when we were just kind of hitting our crest? You mean what uh, I'm thinking about? What I'm thinking about is in you know in the early '90s, you're making you record these records, and you are you have a reputation. You're in the process of sort of building your audience, and you're you know. You're focusing. You're getting. You're you're introducing the world to your music. Is that a time when you would have said, "Hey, let me break out Rudolph"? If someone didn't say, "Hey, have you got that? Have you got that in the in the can for me? Could you do something with this for me?" Probably not. Actually, now that I think about it, because we were consumed with just uh, still building our career uh, and focusing on all the work that goes into that because uh you know when you have an album out and you're on the road and you're not just you're not just playing gigs you're out there every every day going on radio stations and doing phoners and press and so we were yeah pretty much um just concentrating on on keeping our career going building it and uh and and anticipating what we're gonna do for the next LP. It was that whole cycle of LP touring, LP touring. And so 
I guess a Christmas album was uh, probably a bee in our bonnet, but it wasn't buzzing around too, <laughs> too heavily at the time. <laughs> I always wanted to do one. Maybe even, before, maybe even before we were signed, I, I had the idea to do a Christmas record. I think Jimmy probably did as well. Maybe even Pat and Mike. Yeah, because it's a fun thing, and it's just another. It's a great American tradition, I think. You sure. know, for an artist to do a Christmas record, it's it's just there's so many there's so many things in life, and there's so many things in your career that uh, take precedence sometimes, but. I guess that's another long-winded answer to yeah. the question. Oh no, no, that's great because I think it answers it answers the question in a realistic way, which is, you know, like in life, so many things ultimately come down to priority questions. There's a million things you want to do, but you've only got so much time and so much money, and how are you going to spend it? And yep. when and it's a thing that I think you just touched on. And I've talked to some musicians about this that a lot of people don't know is particularly at that time in the early 90s when you had sort of the uh, the explosion of the uh, alternative format and alternative radio, alternative rock radio stations, that just how exhausting and how time consuming being on the road was at that time and how many how you suddenly had radio radio stations and had so much work to be done to try to fuel and maintain your presence uh, and your profile. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's really interesting. And it's a, a part of, you know, a part of the rock and roll story that people don't realize is, you know, what you do between wake up and showtime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we actually, uh, I guess at the height of our career, we had to have a separate bus from our crew because we were on different schedules. They would go ahead to uh, cities to set up our gear and actually do sound checks for us. And we would travel separately because we had to arrive uh, at prescribed times to do radio and all those other promotional duties. So uh, it, it was pretty taxing. Um yeah. Now, the, something else occurred to me just now is that, uh, and that is, um, while all this is true, that there's sometimes it, do, it doesn't feel like you have enough <clears throat> open days in your calendar to get a Christmas record done. Doing a Christmas record is also another avenue, a pretty smart avenue of promotion, because if you create a record that catches on, a Christmas record that catches on with the public, it, it comes back every year, you know? Sure. And uh, 
it, it, it's there every December. And artists have done it, you know, maybe as a stopgap too between uh, major productions. Like, I don't know what, like uh, the Pretenders, for example, did that. Is it called 2000 Miles? Yes. I think? Yeah. I, I forget how that fit into their release schedule, but it uh, was on their third album. Oh, it was actually it was on, on, yeah, it was on, it was on Learning to Crawl. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then, or you you think about Wizard, Roy mm-hmm. Wood's Wizard. I'm not sure where his or Slade, where those singles fell into. Yeah. Uh, but back then, it, it could you know it was singles too. So sure. it, maybe not uh, as time consuming as producing a full length film. Right. But still, it, it's a good it's a good gimmick, I guess is is a way to look at it. As, yeah. Prom- or a promotional uh, uh, force of of some kind, you know. If it and if it catches, it'll it will it'll you know people will keep playing it. People will keep coming yep. back to it. So yeah. So in two thousand seven, you finally got to Christmas with the Smithereens. So what was going on with the band in two thousand seven? I could tell you a lot about any year in the eighties <laughs> and the nineties. Two thousand seven. What year did? Well, I guess we. What year did we do Meet the Smithereens? Was that 04? At, uh, that must have been 04 because that was the, the anniversary of the 64 release of Meet the Beals. Right. I don't know. We were 07. I had the chronology in front of me or discography, I could tell you, but we never stopped playing or touring. I guess we were just doing a lot of road work, you know? Right. Now, did you record the record that year? Yeah, came out that year. If we recorded it the year it was was released, so if you're telling me it was 07, uh, that sounds right. I think it was 07, yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. Okay. And did you, when did you do it? Did you do it during the summer? Yep. Okay. So you had that that experience of being, cutting, cutting Christmas music in the summertime. That's right. And you know, it's funny because it occurs to me. I get ideas for Christmas songs during the Christmas season. And I, I, I always tell myself, man, I should just cut them. Me or the group, whatever, we should we should cut these songs while it's still the Christmas season and we're in that head. Uh, and it'll be in the can for the better part of a year, but why, why not, you know? So maybe I'll do it this year, we'll see. But But you're right, it's typical for an artist to uh, record Christmas uh, sessions in probably early or mid, well, sometime in the summer. Right. So it can be ready to go, uh, I guess in October. Right. So it's, it, it's in, it's in the hands of uh, distributors and, and uh, journalists by October. So right. yeah. So yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're in the air conditioned studio singing about Santa's sleigh. And then you go outside and it's scorching and humid, you know, did you have an idea behind uh, for Christmas with the Smithereens? Was there a concept? I mean, not in the obviously like a concept album, but did you have kind of a, an idea of what y'all wanted it to do or be like? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think we had a vision for its totality, but we know we knew that going in, we wanted to choose songs and write songs that were uh, pleasing to us. And in terms of covers, ones that um, 
we can make our own and have fun with and put out there in a, in a in a way that's entertaining and still maintaining the integrity of the smithereen sound but as far as the whole lp was concerned i think we just went put our best foot forward on each tune and sequenced it and voila it uh, <laughs> it came out the way it did you know? yeah you know i'll tell you one thing i always liked about the smithereens was that you could hear that you guys were rock and roll fans listening to your records Mm-hmm. And, you know, and on the Christmas record, that was like really explicit, you know, like you could hear that it sounded like you guys were really having fun and enjoying the fact that you could nail the harmonies on Beach Boys, Merry Christmas, Baby. Mm-hmm. Um, your love of your favorite records was really clear in your in your music. Yeah, uh, I it. It's definitely true, and I, I think especially when you are making a Christmas record, there is that uh, built-in sense of uh, wonderment or and or childlike uh, fascination. So it gives you license to uh, not take yourself too seriously. I mean, the the thing I, I maintain about the Smithereens is that we're we're dead serious about playing music and doing the best we can, but we're not, we don't take ourselves seriously. And I think that's probably what you're talking about. I think that comes through in uh, our live performances, some of our recordings, and I would say, especially on the Christmas album and, and some of the Beatle cover things we did too, because doing Meet the Smithereens, which is our reimagining of Meet the Beatles, um, it was like being a kid again, running downstairs into the basement to play drums with my favorite records. You know, when we did, it really, it was, I mean, cause we learned so much from listening to those when, when we were younger and we did the, for meet the smithereens. We did all the tracks in just one session. It was, those songs were in our DNA, but to circle back to your question. Yeah. I think there was a sense, a sense of, uh, uh, being a kid, uh, like Jimmy writes about and waking up on Christmas morning, it, it, like a sense of uh, that uh, wide eyed joy that uh, that you have when you, you run downstairs and see all the gifts wrapped under the tree. My baby, she told me she don't want to hold me or kiss my lips anymore. She gonna Was there a song on the record that that was that challenged you to like to get it nailed down? Well, let me see. I have it in front of me. I did a a, a version of um, "Twas the Night Before Christmas." I actually did the um, narration. I guess you would say it's just drums and vocals, right. and what it is was our, uh, our take on an Art Carney record. You might have heard it. It's his version from the 50s. Oh, I guess there's also Sleigh Bell on it. Too. But uh, it was his version, uh, kind of a hipster 
rendition, I guess you would say, of Twas the Night Before Christmas. It was challenging only in that, okay, I played drums and then I had to do the recitation. And just without any musical guideposts in the song, it was just, like I said, it was just rhythmic um, uh, spots that I had to adhere to. So it was, that was a bit challenging only because, like I said, there was no musical cues. I had to kind of, uh, even when I cut the drum track, I think I was singing the song to myself and hoping that I got all the sections right. So that was a bit challenging. Twas the night before Christmas went all through the house Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse The stockings were hung by the chimney with care In hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there The children were nestled, all snuggled in bed While visions of sugar plums danced in their heads And Mom and her kerchief and I in my cap Had just settled down for a long winter's nap when out on the, lawn, there are... the other song on here that I thought was going to be a challenge uh, We actually recorded it um, Oh yeah, we. I was gonna say we recorded it for our Tommy tribute album, the Who's Tommy. But in fact, we recorded it for this album. I think, yeah, the song Christmas from Tommy. I'm trying to get yeah, because we did that later, so we had we we just took this version and put it on our Tommy album. <laughs> I think I'm getting it right. But anyway, the song Christmas has always been a from Tommy has always been a, a big favorite of mine um and ours um <clears throat> jimmy uh sings lead on that one but uh it's as a kid i used to play along to that record and i thought this is a a challenging drum a cut to play but we actually nailed it in one take <laughs> oh wow I, I still find it surprising that we did and uh I was really happy with that performance, and Jimmy did a great job singing it too. That might be the first version I've time I've heard somebody cover uh, Christmas uh, on a Christmas record. Um, mm -hmm. Was there any concern that it's not Christmassy enough as a Christmas song? No, not at all. It's just because uh, even when I got Tommy as a kid that song just smacked of the holidays by virtue of its theme, you know, it, uh, and it, there's a Christmas song becomes Christmassy sometimes because of the trappings of the production and the arrangement, but also just because of the, of the theme, you know? Um, so no, nah, it didn't, uh, didn't hinder it, yeah. uh, in that way at all. Oh, yeah. you know? I'm glad we got time to do that. Christmas with the Smithereens is on sale now in all formats, including vinyl. 
At the point when I talked to Jim Goodwin of Christmas Underground, I was looking for Canadian Christmas music, and he just happened to have gone down that rabbit hole, digging up Christmas music by indie artists from Montreal. For a week, he posted short reviews and French-Canadian and English songs for the season, some of which were exactly what I was looking for. Since it's Christmas time, he's posting a lot almost daily right now, and if you look at christmasunderground.com, you'll see a lot of activity since we talked. You can argue that a lot of these songs don't sound like Christmas, but I think that has more to do with the way that the classic melodies and productions from the 1950s and 60s have shaped the way we think about Christmas music. When Irving Berlin wrote White Christmas, it didn't sound like Christmas then because there were so few Christmas songs before it in the public ear. I'd argue that the classic songs in the Christmas canon sounded like they were written for the pop audiences of the day, and the same thing is happening now. I can't remember if Jim and I talk about that, but rather than risk more repetition, let's get on with it. Let's hear Montreal's Elliot Maginot and his Ballad of Mrs. Claus. Then we'll be back on the other side with Jim Goodwin of Christmas Underground. Jim, to start with, tell me like why you started uh, Christmas Underground. Well, uh, Christmas Underground really started a couple years into my making a Christmas mix every year. So, you know, everybody has to start somewhere. And I was working at a record store in Roanoke, Virginia called the Record Exchange, which is no longer in business. But, uh, you know, the the employees there and we all kind of were trying to figure out what we might do kind of special for for Christmas for each other. And we all decided to make uh, Christmas mixes and and trade them. So you're supposed to come in at the, you know, around Christmas with like seven copies or something and hand them, you know, trade them around. And of all the employees, I was the only one who actually finished. So. So I, you know, I wasn't really familiar with what was out there. So I started uh, doing a little bit of research and and found, I think, uh, the John Peel, Bell and Sebastian session out there. It might have been on Indie Torrents or something from back in the day. Uh, and, I, and their version of Santa Claus was fantastic. So I kind of started there. And because I was a big Bell and Sebastian fan, somehow it just kind of struck me that my at the time my favorite Bell and Sebastian record was the boy with the Arab strap, and I'm like, the boy with the Santa hat. And so, <laughs> you know, I got my roommate and we went outside and found some foliage to take a picture, and it makes it look like I'm getting stabbed in the chest. And uh, we reshot it, and uh, and I just had so much fun just with the whole concept of it of of spoofing it uh, that I just kept on going. And so after that first year. I decided to do the next one, which was instead of uh, 
fold your hands, child, you walk like, oh gosh, I can't remember the, the regular uh, name uh, now. It's uh, fold, your, fold your hands. Uh, oh gosh. Now it's uh, fold your hands, Santa. You walk like an elf. Uh, uh, and uh, for that one, I had to put on eyeliner and all this other stuff. And so it just really went from there. I went from doing full cover shoots to just kind of like slapping my head on a body which is also some, somewhat fun when it's a, a female form. And <laughs> you know, it just makes it even sillier. But uh, so I started doing that and, and kind of getting deeper and deeper into the research of it and finding more and more obscure kind of releases. And I was following a number of other uh, Christmas blogs at the time. I think my, my main sources were uh, Stubby's House of Christmas. Um, but then there were also some other kind of indie rock Swedish pop kind of uh, sites like uh, this one called Swedes, please, which I don't believe is around anymore. But they had a uh, a Christmas post that they'd update every year with uh, downloadable songs. And uh, and I found that a wealth of information from there. But that just kind of like helped you find those those paths to travel down. And when I first started the blog, the idea was that I was just going to have a place where I could kind of give my thoughts on on these various records that I bought. So, you know, I started off by by reviewing them, giving them, you know, scores in some capacity where I where now it's my blog is really for me to write about what I love. You know, I'm not going to waste time with a record that I don't like anymore uh, unless I pay money for it when I and then I will pay. I will waste some time and let them know what I think. Nah, if I think nah, it's nah. really <laughs> no good. Uh but yeah, that's kind of where it started. And it was just, uh, yeah, it's just a place for me to kind of try to be the resource that I wish I had found for myself. Right. Basically, like I, I, the purpose of the blog is to help that person who's making a Christmas mix with their friends find that really cool song. Uh, but also it's a place for the artists to make money, hopefully, um, I, I I routinely will contact an artist who, let's say, maybe that doesn't have their song up on Bandcamp yet, encourage them to put it up on Bandcamp, encourage them to, at the very least, set it up for name your own price. I really, I don't like putting up songs that are free. Mm-hmm. I really don't, even though that's perfectly, that's their choice. Uh, I really want to encourage these artists to at least give the option of paying them for their effort because it is effort. Sure. Uh, Especially I, I have such I have such a high regard for when somebody can make a Christmas song good. Right. That I want them to get paid. Yeah. Because if you can make a good Christmas song, then then often that's just like the 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 entry for me discovering that band and then falling in love with that band for all the other things they do. Because if they can do that really well. Their other stuff is probably pretty great too, and so that's always that's fun too. Uh, you know, I've discovered so many of my favorite bands through this research process. Uh, as to whether I they ever had a Christmas song or not, it's often because of that research that I found them, in the hopes that they had a Christmas song. But then uh, I went, oh, uh, you know. uh, <laughs> you know? uh, but like uh, Frightened Rabbit, uh, back in the day, I remember being in my apartment at the time in New Jersey, and. Uh, and coming across their MySpace page, and they were they had uh, uh, "It's Christmas, so we'll stop." Just streaming on their MySpace page, you couldn't 
buy it anywhere. You couldn't do anything. So I ripped it off their MySpace page and put it onto my Christmas ah, mix ah, that year. Ah. Uh, I am, I am, I will happily rip stuff off of pages to, to be able to put it on my Christmas mix a hundred percent. I want, I'm going to get it. I want to pay right. the money for yeah. it eventually. Right. But, I, but if that's the only way to get it, I'm going to get it. It's Christmas, so we'll start. It's on with the lights to warm the dark. It can cloak elsewhere as the rot stops for today. Let the rot stop just for one day. Only good red eyes, red suits, and faces will radiate. And the cold will hide its face. Now the cold's turned. But yeah, that's kind of like how it started. And now I'm 10 years in, which is kind of crazy. Uh, it's it's funny to watch uh, kind of the blogs within the scene uh, kind of talk about me every so often if they're putting up like a link or something like that. I think I was the new kid on the block for like eight years on Hip Christmas or something. Right. But uh, but I, I'm not really a new kid on the block anymore, right. but I feel like it. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the things that was interesting that I, that I was actually about to ask you about this because it seemed like you came in kind of as the MP3 blog was in the wane as people were, as companies were cracking down right. on MP3 blogs and they were all slowly shutting down or, you know, sort of stuck because they didn't have a way to, you know, to present yeah. the music anymore that, you know, you came in and, you know, and the thing is, I, I realized like a lot of places hadn't, I mean, Bandcamp didn't have the currency it has now. I mean, right. before Bandcamp, I used to spend a lot of time going through SoundCloud uh, looking oh, for God. stuff. <laughs> and uh, a wild variety. Oh, uh, gosh. I, if SoundCloud could give you just a few extra tools, it'd be wonderful. If I could if I could block a user, block a uh, something from my search results. If, yeah. So that when, I, when I'm searching for Christmas music, if I could block all of those frankly, all those churches that are putting in like their sermons and stuff like that. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> if I could block all the, the, I'm not into like hip hop Christmas often. And so much of SoundCloud is like hip hop Christmas songs. And, yeah. and I, I have to like, say that was what I was looking for there. Um, oh, that's what you were looking for. Yeah. And I found, I mean, and I did find some good stuff, um, but it was always, but it still was a challenge. And oh, that, yeah. uh, I, I would be interested in hearing your hip hop Christmas mix. <laughs> you have I'll, no I'll, idea. I'll pull some I, I together wish, for you. I wish there was, I wish it were. So like, I, I feel like I fit a niche right now. I feel like my closest uh, contemporary, I guess you'd say, you could say would be Christmas a go-go. We kind of, we have a Venn diagram. Right. Where we often will, will like a lot of the same things, but even we have diverge in different areas. And, uh, I would love uh, somebody who was doing the work for showing me where good hip hop Christmas was because there, I've just been battered by too much terrible hip hop Christmas that I don't know where to begin. Well, I'll give you a number one is do check um, Mega Ran's very, very random Christmas. Uh, okay. Mega Ran is an indie uh, 
rapper originally from Philadelphia. He's now, I think he's now in Arizona. Okay. And he did an album that was entirely based on um, samples from a Charlie Brown Christmas. And oh. he actually ended up doing, he, he updated it, I think, for three years. He put it out, and then each year, for the next like two or three years, added a track as new ideas came to him. And eventually he felt like he had pretty much chewed that bone as far as he could go. But there's a lot really good in there. And um, that he's somebody who has kind of made his bones in the nerd space. And mm -hmm. so like, he also raps about wrestling, about video games, about cartoons. And so the nice thing is he kind of, he comes at it with a persona that can can take Christmas seriously. Right. Um, and so it ends up, so you get a lot of good material. It's your face, homeboy. It's the time for joy. Eggnog and toys. Fireplace is lit. Find a place to sit and get a taste of it. Take a sip of your tea. Start trimming the tree. I'm beginning to see. I've been really digging into uh, French Canadian Christmas songs lately. <laughs> I was about to ask you about that. Which uh, anybody who visits my blog will notice that there's just a flurry of them. There's more to come. <laughs> like, ah, there's just ah, so many. Ah. Uh, I, it, you know, it, it gets challenging when all these songs have their they exist on on uh, Bandcamp, but when things aren't tagged christmas they're sometimes hard to find and so i have a million different Bandcamp searches for tags that are not christmas so when christmas comes around i'm trying i'm doing my best to not be in the christmas tag because that's where like a lot of the stuff that that kind of s slips under the radar are things that are just like tagged montreal or something right. like that uh but there's this uh rapper i assume yeah rapper uh corias k-o-r-i-a-s-s and it's, it's in French, and they use a free design sample, and it's, like, so good. <laughs> it is so good. And I immediately – I sent it to Christmas to go because I thought he might really dig that, too. And uh, he loved it, too. But I don't know if he's going to post about it. I don't really – I wouldn't even take a chance at posting about hip-hop right now because I don't know what I'd say about it necessarily. Then, ooh, this is fun. <laughs> Paste. <laughs> uh yeah, I try to add a little bit of something, some context. Often, you know, I'm finding, especially when it's a French artist or something like that, I don't know too, too much about it, but I can, I try to bring in a little bit of like how I feel about it. I'm definitely not giving kind of the the whole encyclopedia, encyclopedic background like Stubby would. Stubby would give you this whole context of like where they started, you know, their career and how many records they put out and stuff. And and I I just, I I. I am not that person. Yeah. I don't have it. <laughs> Life's too short. Your, your focus is on indie. In a lot of yeah. cases, a lot of these people don't have a lot of career. They don't have a lot of story. And they right. have even True. less online about them. So, True. The, so a lot of cases, if you wanted to do the story, you would almost have to reach out to them specifically first to get it. 
Man, so there was this one uh, song that made a mix a number of years ago. It's one of the weirder songs that I feel like I've ever put on. And it was called Christmas. I believe it was called Just Called Christmas Song. But it was by uh, Neil Gretzky. And so I found it. I found it on SoundCloud. And, and you know, I co- tried contacting them. And I, I think I, if I remember correctly, he might have gotten back to me a couple of years later. Uh, but it turned out that uh, uh, his, he, he's now recording under St. Lennox. I want to double check that real quick. But St. Lennox. Yeah. So he's now recording under St. Lennox. But when I initially found that song, I could not find out anything about it right. whatsoever. I just found this, this song that ends up singing about chicken nuggets at some point that ah. I just loved. It is, it is His voice is very distinct. His, I, I mean, I would say recommend if you like the mountain goats kind of thing. And it makes total sense. I think at one point one of, he has a blurb about one of his records uh, by John Darnielle. I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. Ah, That's ah, yeah. Ah. Total sense. Uh, but he's a, uh, he works on wall street. And oh, he wow. writes these songs and they're just, it's, they're so fascinating. I love his voice. I love everything about like his, his normal records too. They're all just so, so interesting. Last year in the new apartment in Clinton Hill. Midnight run to the corner store for chicken tenders and beer. Plug in string of Christmas lights on the doorway to the kitchen. obscure and weird the better yeah i 100 agree that it's so nice to have something thoroughly mysterious just drop into the drop out of the culture somehow uh because we're in a place where with social media with the internet it is so easy for for a decent amount of information a paragraph's worth of information to travel with almost anybody and almost any piece of creative creative content can have at least a paragraph's worth of something in the world somewhere. And the idea that something managed to emerge almost information free is is sort of beautiful. I love it. Each time it always feels like a little miracle and almost always there they're ones you actually want to know something about because they seem so inexplicable. Yeah. Um, I've got a, um, we're talking about indie uh, hip hop and there's a track beneath the Christmas tree. Oh no, it's uh no, it's um, beneath the Christmas tree is a bounce Christmas. It's uh, a version of I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus by someone called bitching twisting. And I have no idea who or what they are. And it's somebody who, uh, pulled the Michael Jackson vocal from the Jackson 5 and put just a four-chord progression behind it and a new drum beat behind it. And it's this four-chord progression goes through the whole song. And it's so odd, and it's not the four chords. It's not the chords from the song. It's someone has reharmonized it. But it also is fascinating because there's no movement. It doesn't, yeah. when it gets to a chorus, it doesn't change. When it gets uh, to a bridge... The music doesn't change. It at some point runs out of gas because it is that sta- that sort of stagnant. 
but it is such an out of nowhere idea yeah. that like, I want to know more about bitching twisting and, and I have no idea. you come to Christmas music? What's your, what's your Christmas music story growing up? Uh, the classics. I mean, uh, we open up presents, uh, listening to Bing Crosby every time. <laughs> it's a family, it's a family tradition. My, my parents would run out and start it and then we'd follow. <laughs> That's great. So, you know, and, and, and I, I like that. I think there's a place for the classic Christmas. You were talking earlier about the the MP3 blogs uh, from from a, a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh, and the prevalence of them. And but they were all, you know, I, I I find that there are there's this like large community of Christmas mix makers of diggers like Mitchell from uh, uh, Jingle Bell Rocks. Right. All these people who are looking for the old stuff. Uh, and there's totally a, pl- I, I, I think that that's like super cool and I, and I get it. Uh, but I'm never really looking for like the super old stuff ever. Uh, and I, and I appreciate the place for it when I get like a really cool mix of, of older stuff, I have to be in like the right mindset to listen to it, uh, in the right, you know, it, it's, it's, I've got to feel really seasonal <laughs> while with, while with, my the ones that I make, I'm I'm genuinely my goal for making a Christmas mix is to make it so that you like the songs enough that you're going to want to listen to it in like May, right? Just because you get that 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 earworm is in there, and and there was just something that you loved about the that song that is completely divorced from it being a Christmas song. I, that's like a that is like my goal. While with you know traditional christmas music be it be it really traditional and famous or even kind of uh underground but older i don't i don't have that same kind of need that has to be really really connected to to christmas and and uh yeah and yeah. there are are definitely some songs that i that i just can't get behind right <laughs> what can <laughs> tell me name one uh, I saw mommy kissing yeah. Santa Claus, it's a, you know, it's, things like that. Oh, aside from the Jackson five version, I have no patience for it at all. Sure. Yeah. And, and I could, I, I agree. I mean, I could, I can stand that one. It yeah. takes a lot for me to stand something like little drummer boy for a lot of the classics that I just, I've heard too much. And, uh, and for s- thinking about, I, I, we watch Mitchell's uh, documentary probably once a year. I know it pretty well, <laughs> uh, but it's, but it's probably it's pretty funny to talk to these people who are so dedicated to Christmas music and find out kind of how much they dislike Christmas music. Yeah. And that's why they do what they do. And I get it. Yeah. Like, oh, sure. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, I found there's a lot of the old stuff that I really like. Uh, I have a I have a deep sort of soft spot for kind of easy listening Muzak uh, Christmas because and it's completely a growing up thing that I have a very clear memory of like going to going to uh, bed on Christmas Eve and having my dad have his radio on and hearing things like the Jackie Gleason Christmas album and Longine Symphonette and things like that all going on. And, and I, and so that stuff kind of cuts through. It's like, I know what's wrong with it, but I've also kind of, but I also can tell you what's right about it. But I find that kind of as a thought that sort of stuck with me living in new Orleans is I don't, I never want to feel like I'm living in the long shadow of a better time. And, you know, yeah. in New Orleans, that's very much a, an issue because obviously with a, with a city that has had, you know, so much jazz has had Louis Armstrong. And then that also had in the 70s had, had funk and R&B with Alan Toussaint and the Meters and Dr. John, that it's easy to feel like we're living in the long shadow of people like that. And I have a feeling as I mean, I cover music here and I don't think that's the case that people may not be paying attention the same, but a lot of great music's being made. And I had the same feeling about Christmas music that I really kind of can't live with the idea that the good Christmas music has been made and that the best thing we can do now is listen to, you know, is try to try to find our Christmas in music made 50, 60, or more years ago. And I was like, there's got to be music that is contemporary and that's going to have something to do with Christmas 2022 and that the Christmas I'm about to go through rather than have to map Christmas 2022 onto Christmas 1963. That is, is a concept I just can't, can't live with. And so that motivates me to pursue contemporary Christmas music. Yeah. Uh, but then you, you end up with uh, most of contemporary Christmas music being the same 10 songs, just reinterpreted. Re I'm being generous when I say reinterpreted. Yes. Because they're often not very much. No. <laughs> so uh, done by, I mean, it, it's just maddening to see uh, a Christmas record come out and have maybe two new songs on it. And everything else is is your classic stuff. And so when you see something that that is largely new, like the His Golden Messenger record from uh, last year, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, give give me more of that. Yes. Uh, any any day of the week, I loved that record. I genuinely loved that record. Things were bad if we're being honest. Gave it away. Stood on the corner hours Down on my knees Searching for something I get why people cry now Down at the mission They're ringing the bells Come on your faithful joy to the world St. Nick's at the racetrack Giving it in Trying to make it rain With his paycheck so now 
looking for a job And the red rip setting fires It's Christmas, baby Thank God we made it You almost always are going with people, songs that people wrote or songs that have been written recently. Am I right? Uh, sure. Um, that would cert- that certainly gets my attention more than uh, a cover. A cover has to be, it has to transcend it. I mean, it has to be worth talking about. Most, like, uh, I love the band The Future Islands. I love them. I think they're great. I've seen them. They were amazing. Uh, their cover of Last Christmas they just put out is just so okay. <laughs> uh, it could have been so good. It could have been so good. They are a big dramatic band. That is a song that lends itself to drama. And it is as if they somehow lost all the uh, urgency that they could have brought to it. And that kind of stuff I'll never write about that song. I don't want to trash. I don't want to trash them. Sure. I'd like to encourage them to do something else yeah. <laughs> better. <laughs> and so it's just easier to find if it's an original, you can kind of come to it from a different place and kind of appreciate it for what they just made as opposed to, you know, nine times out of 10, just whatever crit- cover is just boring yeah. when it comes down to it. How do you think about what are you looking for? What, you know, kind of makes a good, a good Christmas song for you? Um, it, it all starts with the music in some capacity, the music and the voice. And then, and then I start thinking about the, what they're actually saying, which is why I can get away with, uh, truly loving songs that are in languages that I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, that's, that's really where it comes from. Uh, um, you know, I, I don't like just one type of music. But I, but there's definitely certain things that I know I gravitate towards, and uh, you know I like indie pop, and I, I'd probably get a little bit more twee on my mix if I wasn't handing it off out to a bunch of people, because I know that that's not a sound that most people are going to get into. Um, but sometimes there's something that's just like so dramatically good that you have to throw it on there anyway, uh, so you can overcome that. Pretty, it takes a little bit more, but it, it gets there. Um, but yeah, when it really comes down to it, and there's often within a song, there might be just one moment. That's that that's that moment that you latch on to where you go, oh my God, that song's amazing. And uh, and I don't even really care about this, uh, the rest of it. It's just that one moment that has just now bled into everything else. Yeah. And now I love this song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, truthfulness, simplicity. I feel like when somebody can kind of capture that, that feeling, that you didn't know that you needed to capture. This is going to sound crazy, uh, but just do it simply. Um, that is so impressive. Um, the like the one song that I posted about today uh, is not te- technically a Christmas song. I'll try to get you the name here. Uh, it is a French Canadian Christmas, uh, French Canadian song. Again, uh, it seems to be all I'm posting about right now, but Safia Nolan, and I'm not going to be able to say that. I'm, I don't know French, but it's Le Sentier de Nuit. De Neige. De, de Neige. De Neige. De Neige. 
Le Sentier, Le Sentier you, you, de Neige. Thank you, my friend from uh, Louisiana. <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, but it's it's it is just you know, it is a kiss in the snow. Yeah. And and it is just so simple, and you can picture it, and and it's just there. there sometimes you don't need to to get crazy. It can just be one moment that they've created within this song. Uh, and I think that that's really pretty special when they, when somebody can, can do something that simple, uh, and powerful. And, and I think it's just, you know, it's just her and a guitar. I've, these days, so much of my Christmas listening is tracks rather than artists. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about, I mean, because like you, I find a lot of stuff on Bandcamp and, and found stuff on uh, SoundCloud. And so a lot of it was individual tracks by somebody rather than, uh, rather than a bunch of songs by individual artists. Are there artists who you think of who have a decent body of Christmas music? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, Charlie's hand movements, they are phenomenal. I mean, uh, I, one of their songs makes me cry. Wow. And, uh, and they're like, they should be, they should be more notable than they are. I don't know. I don't know why they are as small as they are. They're just so good. They are so good. Their regular music is so good. Um, Husbands out of uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, they have two two full records, if I remember correctly, of uh, essentially Christmas songs made by well, the Animal Collective or something like that. Like that's what I would compare it to. Recommend if you like the Animal Collective Christmas record. <laughs> like it's so good. It's so good. Um, Christmas Aguilera, which cool. uh, great uh, name. Yeah, uh, I mean, whenever I, I they have they have a thing on their Bandcamp, which is essentially a full record's worth of of music, uh, but they put out one, two, three songs every year, basically. Um, and then last year they actually had a thing where you could donate to charity, and for twenty five pounds they they'd record a song for you of your choice. Oh, very cool. To which the the problem of infinite choice led me to not request the song, and now I am just like devastated <laughs> that I did not do that. Uh, but I was like, what do I ask for? And I just couldn't do it. And uh, they're one of my absolute favorites. Just, I mean, when I think of those moments where I discovered bands, uh, you know, there's there's a few that I, I will, if they put something out, I know it's going to be great. I know I'm going to have to write about it. And those are definitely some of them right there. I want to give you, give you, I want to give you a present. Surprise, surprise, surprise. 
Thanks to Dennis and Jim for the time and the talk. Christmas with the Smithereens is out now, and you can find Jim at christmasunderground.com. He's also active right now on Facebook, so you can find new songs there almost daily. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't done what you have to do to get 12 songs in your podcast feed, get at it. We are on all the major podcast platforms. We'll wrap today with another song that both Jim Goodwin and I like. Folk artist Sarah Noel has released her third Christmas song this season, and it's quietly dark and lovely. This is I'll Sleep Till Christmas. Talk to you next week. Still, the springs are changed.